today on episode 44 of Podcast Royal. Her Majesty is ordered to rest for two weeks. The new Fab Four takes Scotland, and we saw Meghan reading her bestseller. Plus, could Prince Edward have been a king? Take a listen. Welcome back to episode 44 of Podcast Royal. It is another Tuesday, and I find myself with my dear friend, Jessica. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Doing good. I am in my second week of work at the new full-time job. It's good. It's a life shift, but for all the right reasons. And I'm getting used to being around humans again on a daily basis <laughs> and uh, doing the eight to five grind. So I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good. What are you into this week? Yeah, I, so we were just chatting before we started recording and I was telling you that um, I had my annual fall allergies hit me over the weekend and I was sneezing my head off. And so I, I just, you know, drank some very British hot tea. I think I had, uh, it was either English breakfast or, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. It might've been English breakfast, but, um, had some tea and, uh, took it easy, but I got back into my routine this week and got back into the gym. So this week I am into that workout routine that I'm trying to get established as we get into colder weather here. Um, I don't want to get out of that routine during winter. So, um, I do a couple of different classes. I do a bar class. I really like, and then oh, I know, remember when I went with you to it one time and I almost died. <laughs> I do, uh, it's gotten harder too. I don't know. Maybe I've just been out of it a little bit, but I had a little, I had a tough time when I went earlier today, actually. Yeah. I look, I went to that class with you. I was not prepared. I was on the ground. Literally. It was, it was a tough class. It, it actually, yeah. I think people think of bar classes as being sort of an easy, not a real workout, but it is a real workout. It can be tough. Um, Full body workout. I also enjoy this uh, weightlifting class that I do um, every week as well. And it's really fun. And I encourage listeners if you've never, and I I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but if you've never done a weightlifting class, give it a shot. Um, It's very, at least the one I do is very at your own pace and they kind of meet you where you are. So you can start slow and kind of build up, but it's a really fun way to, to stay strong. So what are you into this week? Well, first of all, before we go any further, I've, I told you this offline, but I'm saying this to our entire listenership because please hold me accountable. I've got to get back in the gym. I am. So I remember, I think I probably talked about it earlier this year on the podcast, but remember in January when I was training for my second 5k and I fell in my driveway, do you remember that? And I sprained my ankle. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, like, I mean, look, I'm never going to be in tip top physical shape, but I was in, I mean, I was training for a 5k, if that tells you anything, which is totally the opposite of, of my norm. And so ever since I fell in January and I had to keep my leg up for 10 days, I, I have fallen off completely and now it's November and I have no excuse. So hold me, well, accountable, you and everybody else. Injuries can really, they can really set you back. Um, so I totally, totally get that. And you do have to kind of get in that mindset, but you've said it here. So you were just telling me before we started recording that you were looking at some different gym options. So yeah, uh, I got to get it together because 
I'm back in the office now. And as I was telling you offline, my, my work pants, which I haven't worn in two years are tight and that's not a good thing. So, okay. So as for what I'm into this week, just in case our listeners aren't aware of this resource, I want to direct all of you to the Royal Media Center. And you can just Google that. Royal Media Center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E, the British way. So here you can find everything from royal communications, from speeches, articles, press releases, financial reports, to the Royal Diary, which details upcoming royal events, to the Court Circular, which details past royal events. You can actually go all the way back to 1997 on the Court Circular. So you can see what the Queen was doing on this day in 2005 or whatever. So get ready to have a huge time suck in your life. I almost feel guilty telling listeners about it. It is so addictive. Like I will get on the Court Circular and... I will find myself spending hours on there, just like mindlessly scrolling through, like, I wonder what Charles was doing today in 2009. And I mean, or what was William doing or what was Kate doing today in 2013? And so there's my royal tip of the day for you. Well, that is really cool. Um, I I think that's awesome that you shared that. And I was going to say for the latest news and information, don't waste your time on that website. Just come listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget the Royal Media Center. Just, <laughs> just come listen to us and we'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, good, good point. So we've had some incredible guests this fall. We have some more incredible guests to come before the end of the year, but today insert music for just the two of us. It's just the two of us. <laughs> the first time that it's been just the two of us in like a long time. So I'm excited for just us ladies to chat about our royal pals. So let's jump right into the royal rundown. So some updates about Her Majesty. Buckingham Palace released a statement last Friday saying that the queen is to remain at home for at least two weeks. The statement reads, quote, following on from their recent advice that the queen should rest for a few days, Her Majesty's doctors have advised that she should continue to rest for at least the next two weeks. The doctors have advised that Her Majesty can continue to undertake light desk-based duties during this time, including some virtual audiences, but not to undertake any official visits. Her Majesty regrets that this means she will be unable to attend the Festival of Remembrance on Saturday, the 13th of November. However, it remains the Queen's firm intention to be present for the National Service of Remembrance on Remembrance Sunday on 14th November, end quote. So in good news, photos came out Monday, yesterday, of Her Majesty driving her Jaguar at Windsor. She was wearing a headscarf and sunglasses and looking very chic. This came the same day that she released a video message, which was recorded last Friday, sitting in the white drawing room at Windsor in front of a photo of late husband Philip, who, as we all know, was a staunch environmentalist. So I have a two-parter for you. So let me start here. What are your thoughts on this recent news about the queen being out for two weeks? Well, first I have to say, I wish that I could tie a scarf around my head and look chic like that, but I am telling you, I look silly. (laughs) He looked like, here I come in my sunglasses and my headscarf 
in my Jaguar. I'm fine, everybody. Like that's exact. That is that reminds me of my grandmother, who is just this most stubborn, wonderful, lovely woman. And I just that would be something she'd do. She'd be like, "Look, everybody, I'm fine. Like you're trying to write me off. I'm good." So yeah. Well, she has certainly always been a very independent lady. Um, But, you know, I do think this is important news. I am really happy to hear that she's still permitted to undertake light duties at her desk. Um, And and of course, I think, you know, again, going back to her being very independent and strong-willed, she has said she intends on being at the um, National Service of Remembrance. Um, So I think that that's that's great to hear as well. but, you know, I, I, we talked about this last week and, and I do, I'm going to say it again. I hope she gets the needed rest and recovery and she stays strong and healthy. Um, I think it's perfectly okay for her to shift into a different sort of full-time working role. I, I think the public will support her remaining in, um, in her role, but not carrying quite as heavy of a workload as I think she sometimes pressures herself to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she's scaled back already in recent years, but I mean, at 95, it is impressive to see her out and about in dresses and heels and driving around in a Jaguar. I mean, you know, that's really great to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it is big news and, and I certainly hope, um, I hope that she's healthy. Yeah. I mean, me too. I just, I hope that she is taking it easy and, you know, it just, I, I think all the time about that South Africa speech, you know, the one where she pledged that she would serve her whole life, whether it be long or short. I know we've talked about that on the show before and she's upholding it. And that is so admirable, but she can still continue to be the sovereign and not work as hard as she is. And I just hope that she we want her around for the platinum jubilee and beyond and i just hope that she really takes the advice heeds it and just lets herself rest a little bit it doesn't mean that she doesn't have that she can't be productive or make a difference but you know maybe just take it a little lighter we just Mm -hmm. this is coming from a place of love and we just want her to take care of herself for sure so, okay, back to the photo. So this is a photo of Philip with butterflies in it. Really beautiful photo. I'm not sure I've ever seen that photo actually. And I don't know if you noticed, but she wore a butterfly pin over her heart. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll just tell everybody this. Um, my grandmother, um, who I, I, my grandmother passed away in 2018, but butterflies have always been a favorite of hers. And she always had butterfly brooches and pendants on necklaces and little butterfly figurines. And so I always think of my grandmother when I see butterflies. Um, So I definitely noticed that brooch on, on the queen. And I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. I thought the whole, you know, I love fashion diplomacy where royals and politicians and the like can wear clothes say so much that they don't even have to say a word and I think in that having that photo wearing that pin and I mean she did speak of him and we'll go over that in a second but I just thought that was beautiful and I don't think that the queen is ever going to be someone that's going to come out with extremely flowery romantic language about 
how much Philip meant to her, but she doesn't have to. She, she said everything without saying anything. So um, the speech was aired at the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference, which of course she is not attending in Scotland because she is um, being advised to rest. And in the speech, she said, quote, the impact of the environment on human progress was a subject close to the heart of my dear late husband. I, for one, hope that this conference will be one of those rare occasions where everyone will have the chance to rise above the politics of the moment and achieve true statesmanship. It is the hope of many that the legacy of this summit, written in history books yet to be printed, will describe you as the leaders who did not pass up the opportunity and that you answered the call of those future generations. Of course, the benefits of such actions will not be there to enjoy for all of us here today, none of us will live forever, which is, this is me speaking now. I think that was one of the most poignant lines of the speech back to her majesty, but we are doing this not for ourselves, but for our children and our children's children and those who will follow in their footsteps. And so I wish you every good fortune in this significant endeavor, end quote. So Charles and Camilla and William and Kate are in Scotland currently at the conference. They're take, undertaking lots of events. Charles met with Jeff Bezos. William spoke today, Tuesday at the conference. He said that he encouraged the leaders assembled to look without fear or despair at the challenges ahead in this crucial decade and to believe that we humans have the ingenuity to make the seemingly impossible possible and did i see that kate wearing this gorgeous cobalt blue dress by the way was feeding william some kind of insect or something like that did you see that <laughs> i have not seen that yet i did see her in yeah. the blue dress it was some kind of larvae larvae or something like that um wow. It, it was it was a little intense um so what are your takeaways from the conference so far okay so i have i will admit i've had a really busy week this week so far and i have not been able to tune into all of the speeches and events going on at the conference so this kind of comes with somewhat limited knowledge um but I am going to kind of hit on what we talked a little bit about last week. So uh, last week, if you'll remember, I did call out Megan for dipping her toe into political waters. And, and I said, typically the Royals try to stay out of politics. So I think in the spirit of being fair, um, I think that that rule, I, I feel like applies here as well. And, you know, mm -hmm. given that this conference is attended by leaders around the world, I do feel like this event in nature is political. So I'm trying to really um, kind of figure out where the Royals fit into this event. Um, I know the environment is something Charles and William are passionate about. And, and I think that there are ways that they can support the environment and promote their, their passions and the work that they want to do around this without it being something uh, that gets mixed up into politics. Um, and, and as Queen Elizabeth said in, in her speech, you know, she alluded to wanting people to kind of come together and, and have, um, you know, have this sort of focus that transcends politics um, and, and really focus on the bigger picture. So I think there are ways, you know, with Earthshot Prize and other things that they're, they're working on that they can do this and sort of stay separate from politics. But this specific event, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I don't know really where the Royals fit in here. Um, 
Yeah. But, I mean, that's just my perspective. If we are using this strict rule of, you know, you're really not supposed to be political. I think that rule has, if it's going to apply to Megan, it has to apply to them as well, just to be fair. No, I think that's so respectable that you're, that is very fair. Um, and, and I don't disagree with you. And by the way, before I forget to say this, I don't know if you saw the clip, God love him, of Charles walking up the stairs to give his speech and he tripped. Did you see this? No, I have not seen that. Um, he did not fall, but he definitely stumbled. And I it, it wasn't, so it wasn't a, a dangerous trip, right? It's okay that I just he, laughed. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> look, I don't, I, I'm probably going to hell for this, but people falling down is, I mean, and I just said it earlier in the show that I fell down. So that wasn't as funny, but I think people falling down is the funniest thing ever. Like that's my kryptonite and that and news bloopers and, um, Charles, like he, God love him. He, he's walking, he's striding confidently. He's going up the stairs. He's going to give his talk and he, he wobbles and man, he caught himself. Like he could have really fallen but he and and what was so great is he never even mentioned it like it didn't happen like the whole eyes of the world weren't watching him and he just went right up to the podium he took a minute to collect himself and went on with his job but um I know I how the royals do it that's how the royals do it yeah I mean you got to watch the clip it's like 45 seconds but um there's a moment there where I'm like oh no that he's gonna face plant on this stage but um yeah I think I mean I, I agree with you, first of all, I, what, what, how, what we say for Megan has to be applied across the board. And, um, my only defense of them, if it's, you know, that not, they really need to be defended, but, um, is that they had so many world leaders in one place at one time. I mean, you've got, uh, U S president Biden there. You've also got Jeff Bezos there, you know, um, you've also got Prince Albert there and so you know you've got you've just got a whole lot of brain power there and it's kind of like well if if so many people are there at this conference that can make a difference maybe it would be a miss if we didn't attend as well and but you're right I mean it is it is it's definitely skating on on the line of politics and probably crossing over I mean it's the UN it's a UN conference so I agree, but good for you for being fair. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, from you know a personal perspective, I think it's fascinating to learn about um, things we can do that are environmentally friendly and help promote, you know, conserving, um, you know, resources that that are, are part of the earth. I think that's really interesting, and I think it's great that William and Charles have been passionate about this, and I think they've done some really cool things with Earthshot Prize. Um, so definitely not, you know, not discouraging their passions and the, the sure, things that sure. they want to promote. I just think they've got to find that, um, you know, that fine line and that way to do it where it doesn't cross over into political stuff. And um, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but, but I'm going to blow your mind for a second. What if, cause you know, that's just, that's just a protocol that's long been established, but what if that's going to, I mean, I can't really imagine this as I'm saying it out loud, but what if that will change with Charles's reign? We don't know what's going to change. I mean, I think a lot of things are going to change. You know, she's been on the throne for nearly 70 years and that's, I mean, I just, I think we're not prepared for a lot of the changes in protocol that could possibly happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of bracing myself to be a little bit surprised uh, by what we see when he takes over. Um, I think, um, I don't know, I, I do kind of think we'll see some changes. Oh, I know we will. I just don't know exactly what, but I, I know that a lot will change um, and we'll just, it'll just remain to be seen what those things are. Well, here's something I'd like to change. Really disappointing news from Twitter analytics service Bot Sentinel last week, which released a report analyzing 114,000 tweets related to Harry and Meghan. The report found that nearly 70% of hateful comments about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex originated from just 83 accounts. This coordinated Twitter campaign was saturated in racist coded language, the report said. Quoting the report, using internal and third-party analytic tools, we estimate a combined unique potential reach of 17 million users. We used friend follower connections, retweets, and mentions to identify accounts that were part of the same hate network. Our research revealed that these accounts were brazenly coordinating on the platform, and at least one account was openly recruiting people to join their hate initiative on Twitter. The report also found that these accounts were using tactics to avoid getting suspended by Twitter, including claiming their accounts were parody accounts, further perpetrating the campaign. BotSentinel also found the Twitter algorithm actively suggested users follow some of the hate accounts after viewing just two of them. This is disgusting, but it's sadly not surprising. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's always disappointing, you know, that people are out there trying to be hateful and hurt others. I, I think you're right. It's not surprising. I mean, we see hateful comments and trolling online every single day. People's lives are constantly being impacted by this. And I don't know, I think it causes a lot of fear and hesitation in people. Uh, you know, I think they're afraid to be in the spot spotlight or, or to say something that they believe in because they're afraid someone's going to try to ruin their reputation or hurt them in some way. So, um, you know, definitely disappointing to see that sort of thing um, geared toward anyone, um, you know, and, and even Harry and, and Megan. And I think um, I think it's smart of Megan to stay off of social media for her well-being. And I honestly think we could all benefit from from that and and have less social media in our lives. You know, they said that they were going to step away from social media and they, you know, stepped away from their accounts on Instagram and and other outlets and they've stayed true to that so far. So what makes me sick is is that even as Megan sits presumably quietly in her home in Montecito, people still find things to say and she just can never win she can never win Mm -hmm. and there's just such vitriol against her and I I don't understand I mean so okay they stepped back that was coming up on two years ago when and I mean people will probably troll us for defending them and I don't really care because I just think that it's just so disgusting to hide behind a computer screen and spew hate and vitriol like that especially when now these are well I mean I say they're private citizens they're out doing some service work they're out doing uh speaking out about things they care about but I mean they're 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 just trying to do good in the world and I just I think that well 
it's disgusting and if it had any merit right like if it if it had if it if it was an opinion with merit of some kind but it's just vitriol yeah i mean well yeah we don't i guess we don't know what any of the tweets said um but did you mention what prompted this report or what what made them do this and, and kind of get to the bottom of this no i and i don't know that do you know that no, I don't. I was just wondering um, what, what kind of prompted that and how they um, started the investigation. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's an interesting question. Um, listeners, if you have any insight into that, DM us or email us. And I did try to I did try to research this a little bit because I had seen the article, but I have not um, really gotten a whole lot of details around it. And I, I couldn't find anything when I looked. So yeah, I never um, heard from where it originated. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Well, in happier Megan news, she appeared on Brightly Storytime last Wednesday, whose tagline is raise kids who love to read, which of course we fully support. We love to read, reading her children's book, The Bench, of which she says, quote, I wrote this as a poem for my husband and our son, Archie, and then turned it into a book so you could enjoy it too. This is the first time we've seen Megan since her visit to New York City a month ago. For the appearance, she sits outside on a wooden chair, her hair pulled back, wearing a light blue button down and jeans. And after reading the book, the Duchess says, now I hope you're able to go and find your own special bench or chair or a little quiet nook, just a place that means something to you that you can share with someone you love. Megan also shares the illustrator of the book, Christian Robinson, created the book's images with watercolors by her request. I am, I have to tell you, I'm more excited each day for Archwell Audio because Megan seriously has such a relaxing ASMR quality voice. Like she, like I'm, I like watch ASMR sometimes to go to sleep, <laughs> seriously. And my mom and I have this whole big conversation. Like, okay, my mom is going to kill me for this, but my mom and I were just having a conversation. We realized randomly that we both use ASMR sometimes and then we realize that we listen to the same ASMR person which is so incredibly <laughs> weird that's that's in, that's like a one in a million chance but Megan could read anything to me and it would just lull in the best way lull me to it to a relaxed state probably to sleep so what did you think did you have a chance to catch the clip yeah, I was going to agree with you. I think she has a great reading voice and speaking voice. And I was actually wondering if she had done some type of voice lessons in the past, given her acting background, because um, she really does know how to um, how to make her voice just sound soothing and, and really nice to listen to. I know. And remember she, I've never, I've, I'm ashamed to admit that I never actually watched Elephant on Disney Plus, the, the, um, movie the film she did voiceover work for but I might honestly actually watch it for Megan's voice you're gonna start <laughs> for that now it's so soothing um <laughs> and Harry has a great voice too so I need actual audio to happen it's been almost a year come on let's get it going um mm -hmm. so Camilla made a passionate speech last week against sexual violence against women at the WOW Foundation's Shameless Festival in London. She spoke about the need for women and men to truly unite to forge a violence-free world, continuing, after all, rapists are not born, they are constructed. 
and it takes an entire community, male and female, to dismantle the lies, words, and actions that foster a culture in which sexual assault is seen as normal and in which it shames the victim. So let us all leave here today and try to get the men in our lives to participate in building a shameless society. She also mentioned some staggering statistics during her speech, including that 144,000 women were victims of rape or attempted rape in the last year for which these figures are available, according to the Crime Survey for England and Wales. This equates to roughly 16 of the most serious sexual offenses every hour. So this is long, I say long, it's definitely been a, pro a passion project of hers. Um, actually, that was domestic violence. So this violence against women has been a passion project of hers for a while now. What did you think of her passionate speech? So I actually think the point I want to highlight in the whole, um, you know, this really, this event and in her speech was the shame around sexual violence, which is, you know, obviously what the event was named for, shameless. Camilla said, shame is one of the most powerful emotions felt after sexual violation. The victim feels invaded and dirty, weakened by having been put in a position of helplessness by someone stronger, possibly someone whom she previously trusted. So that's a really important part of this, in my opinion, you know, the yeah. idea of the victim feeling shame rather than the attacker. And I think this is how a lot of women get into these terrible situations. They blame themselves or, you know, they think it's their fault or they did something wrong to cause this to happen. Um, and then they don't, they don't get help. And, you know, Camilla mentions asking men to step up and help. But I also think a huge piece of this is helping women understand the importance of speaking up when they find themselves in these situations and to not feel shame or to allow their fears and emotions to prevent them from, you know, escaping. Um, but, you know, the event was designed around using art and activism to bring awareness to this whole topic. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I think it's a good issue to highlight. Um, I, I'm glad that she's passionate about this. And I did want to take a moment um, for our US-based listeners. If you are someone um, listening to this podcast and you have found yourself in this sort of situation and you feel trapped, um, there is a national sexual assault hotline that's available for 24 hours. I'm sorry, it's available 24 hours a day. And they do offer support information or advice, and they can be reached at 1-800-656-4673. So I just wanted to put that out there for listeners. I love that. That's so powerful. Thank you, Jessica. Um, that's so good. It's giving me a lot to think about. Um, because, yeah, it's never, you know, the victim should never feel that shame ever. Right. And people are out there listeners if if you want to talk and uh thank you for sharing that number so on the heels of camilla's passionate speech came a passionate letter from megan and harry as they continue to advocate for vaccine equity alongside world health organization director general dr tedros adhaman gebrace is us I tried everybody. They wrote an open letter calling on G20 summit leaders, which met in Rome last weekend, to expand vaccine access. They wrote, when the leaders of the world's wealthiest nations met at the G7 summit in June, they collectively announced that 1 billion doses of COVID-19 vaccines would be sent to low and low and middle income 
countries to help vaccinate the world. Pharmaceutical companies have pledged almost the same. Yet, as several nations still don't even have enough vaccines for their own health workers, the world is left asking, where are the doses? Of the almost 7 billion doses that have been administered globally, just 3% of people in low-income countries have had a jab so far. Where are the rest? COVAX, the initiative designed to help achieve fair global access to COVID vaccines, has been promised 1.3 billion with a B, doses to be donated for the low-income countries it supports, yet it has been able to ship only 150 million, 11.5% to date. Where are the rest, end quote. So um, bravo to them for speaking out about another issue that they're passionate about. I have a feeling that this is going to be an ongoing thing. So Wrapping up the Royal Rundown today before we have a very tiny little Royals around the world for you. Um, this I found this story incredibly interesting. We so rarely talk about Prince Edward on the show, but a story came out on People this week that made us want to show him some love. In 1994, <laughs> this is such a bizarre story he was tapped to become king of estonia by the royalist party which had been under the control of the now defunct soviet union from 1940 until 1991 people writes um they the royalist party apparently told edward quote your background as an actor i wasn't familiar that edward was an actor i knew he was a television producer but um as an actor and television producer would be ideal to create the majesty a new king would require to combine ancient culture with modern political reality, wrote the pro-monarchist in a letter cited at the time by the Sunday Telegraph. Unfortunately for Estonia, but fortunately for us, Edward said no. Uh, the royals never ceased to surprise, huh? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a really fun, interesting little fact. Uh, I don't know that I have anything um, that I can really <laughs> add to that, but... <laughs> I don't either. I, I just think it's really bizarre. And the <laughs> fact that why I'm not really sure why we're talking about it again 30 years later, but it was worthy of inclusion in the royal rundown. So Edward had a chance to be king of Estonia, but he did not take the offer. So um, there you go. So, all right, a little tiny itty bitty segment to royals around the world. So um, a laugh from Norway this week, King Harold of Norway spoke at the annual parliament dinner in Oslo last Thursday, where he garnered laughter as he admitted he didn't get a cell phone until he was 83. He <laughs> said, quote, many of us probably needed up to several good wishes during the time we have left behind us. And if there is one thing we have really learned since March last year, it is the importance of modern technology to be able to get in touch with each other. Great was therefore the joy in my family when I got a mobile phone. It only took me 40 years. So he just got a cell phone. <laughs> I mean, I guess for him. Like, you don't need it. You know why? Like you've got somebody around you probably all the time, but yeah, I mean, a cell phone is definitely one of those things now. It's like a safety blanket. We can't go anywhere without it. But when you do go for a little while and you put it down, it's really, it's kind of nice. It's like the social media thing, just stepping away from it. It's I know. I might, oh my gosh, last week, is, like I said, was my first week back 
full-time in the office. And um, it was disgusting because my little Sunday reminder of how addicted I am to my phone came. It was like, congratulations, your screen time is down like 11% this week. You You were on the phone for like eight hours and some minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's still sick like basically every every minute I wasn't in the office I was on my phone basically so there's that but so we haven't had a lifestyle segment in a while I'm super pumped to turn it over to you for a little lifestyle content I've missed it yeah me too and this week I thought we would just do a little refresher Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast but it's always kind of fun to revisit some of the you know, traditional royal protocols that um, that you may or may not know about. So I thought we could share some that I find interesting and we can kind of talk through them. So first we'll start with greeting members of the royal family. So you might think that it is a major expectation of you to curtsy when you meet the queen if you're a woman or to do a gentle bow of the head if you are a man. Um, And you might wonder what happens if you don't. Well, if you ever have the opportunity to meet the queen and you freeze and you don't know what to do and you end up not curtsying, don't worry, nothing will happen to you. So there's actually no formal rule in place that requires the public to curtsy to the royal family. Many people do choose to do these gestures because they like the tradition Um, And so they just like to do it out of respect. And so I would say here, the good rule of thumb is to try to stick with tradition and do your best to remember to curtsy. Uh, But definitely, you know, don't freak out if, if it doesn't happen. So did you know that? Freeze, (laughs) like just freeze like a statue in front of one of them. Did you know that that was not um, actually an official rule? I actually didn't. I thought, I mean, I think it's like one of those unspoken rules though, surely. Right. But like, I didn't know that it was, no, I did not. I, I, um, but I mean, that's actually really interesting the more I think about it, but yeah, no, I did not know that. So this is another one that I feel like, um, you know, we don't really talk a lot about, but when you are addressing the queen or a member of the Royal family, they, you know, have certain titles and there are certain ways that you should, Um, refer to those titles. So let's say you're speaking to the queen first. Um, The first thing you should refer to her as is is her majesty. Now, once you've used her title, her majesty, you can then refer to her as ma'am. When speaking to other members of the royal family, you should refer to whoever you're speaking to as your royal highness. And then once you've said your royal highness, you can follow with a sir or a ma'am after that. Okay. All right, so let's move on to some interesting family protocols. So the royal family, they do gather to celebrate holidays, just like most families around the world. Um, But when they all get together and have dinner, they are careful to keep an eye out on the queen and when she finishes her meal, because once Queen Elizabeth is done, other members of the royal family also go ahead and end their meals. So I definitely see how this rule kind of would come about, because I feel like you know, it would be kind of rude, right, to drag out the meal for a long time after Her Majesty has finished eating. Um, and I feel like she maybe might feel odd just sitting there being the only one not eating, or maybe she might feel like she can't really step away from the table. 
But I do like to imagine that she's the type of person who is courteous enough not to rush through her meal. So I, I feel like she probably eats pretty slow and likes to give the family plenty of time to enjoy their meals. I don't know. What do you think? Oh yeah, no, she's, she's not going to rush through her meal. She knows that she knows the protocol and as such is going to be very respectful and take her time. Right. I totally agree. Okay. So if you know anything about England, you know, British people like to drink their tea. So royals are no different. Um, they like to drink tea as well. And they do have a rule around how to hold their teacup. So in case our listeners want to hold their teacups like the royals, um, you'll use your thumb and your index finger to hold the top of the handle. And then you'll use your middle finger down at the bottom of the handle to kind of, you know, prop it on your finger and kind of keep you from dropping it. Um, and if you are a lady and you wear lipstick, be sure to sip your teacup in one spot so you don't get lipstick all around the rim of the cup. The Royals so. taught me that trick and I do it now. Um, I mean, I don't drink tea, but when I drink coffee or when I drink, you know, anything out of, out of a cup, I always, I don't like to have lipstick lines all over the cup. Just pick a spot and go back to it over and over again. Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Americans probably drink tea out of like big coffee mugs too, which that's a little bit harder to hold those handles <laughs> with your thumb and index finger, but the dainty little teacups, you can definitely do that with. Yes. All right. So now let's say you want to take a tip from the Royals on how to position your eating utensils during a meal. Um, so they have a couple of little things that they follow to kind of signal to, um, to wait staff, you know, if they're done with their meal or not. So if you need to step away from the table, but you are actually not finished eating, cross your utensils and then step away. And that will signal to wait staff that you are not finished and you're going to come back to your plate. If you are done and you want your plate taken away, place your utensils side by side and then angle them so the handles are facing the bottom right of your plate. So they'll be, you know, your utensils will be next to each other and they'll be like, angled off pointing toward the right. Um, mm -hmm. And that will let wait staff know that you, you've had enough and they can come take your plate. Got it. All right. So this is another one we um, have touched on in the past, no pun intended, but royal couples are expected to keep an appropriate distance in public and not show public displays of affection. Um, now we do occasionally see William sort of guide Kate with his hand kind of like near her, her lower back when they're walking in public, but we rarely ever see royal couples holding hands or kissing outside of like a royal wedding. So this is another rule that I actually do think is a really good rule to have in place, despite I think most modern day people feel like it's probably not necessary, but I think we have to consider the other cultures and religions and all the broad audiences that they're in front of. And there are so many people that might find offense or feel uncomfortable being in front of, you know, a couple being touchy feely. Um, they might, you know, I don't know, just find it disrespectful. So I definitely see why they follow this rule. And I think it's, I think it's still nice when we get glimpses of them, like behind stage at Earthshot holding hands. Um, that's always kind of fun and in a and kind of a respectful way for them to still show a little affection to each other. Right. 
Um, and we also talked about this, I think it was last week, maybe. Um, but the Royals, they do have nicknames in private, but they have to use their full proper names in public. So listeners might remember um, Rachel told me that Princess Charlotte's nickname was Lottie. And I don't know why I had not heard that or, or didn't remember that. And I thought it was really cute. Um, but of course, she goes by Charlotte, um, you know, as far as the public is concerned. So we all knew Kate Middleton as Kate before she was a royal. Once she joined the royal family, she began going by Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge. And we hear her refer to herself as Catherine a lot. Um, but I do think that with all of the media coverage and just general popularity she's had um, since she was dating William, I think especially in the U.S., but probably all over the place, she's still kind of widely just referred to as Kate by the public. Um, I, and Kate. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I do. Yeah, I kind of use them interchangeably. Um, it, it depends. I think both Kate and Catherine are very pretty names. Yes, I do, too. And of course, Prince Harry is the well-known exception to the nickname rule. He has never gone by his formal name, which is Henry. <laughs> yep, yep. Henry's a cute name too, though. I like that. It is, it is. All right, so some more fun facts. We'll, um, we'll move over to weddings now. So, okay, Rachel, I know we've talked about this, but how many, how many weddings have you been a bridesmaid in? <laughs> too many. Still, pay, still paying off. Love you, friend, girlfriends that are listening to this, but still paying off some of those uh, bridesmaid stresses. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think. I think as as women, we can all relate to that. So, in most weddings, women do choose their best friends or other women in their family to kind of stand next to them on their big day as bridesmaids or maids of honor. In royal weddings. This rule does ring true when it comes to the maid of honor. It's usually a best friend or a sister or close relative, but that's actually not the case for bridesmaids. So if you've seen a royal wedding, you can probably recall this, but um, they always get little girls to be the bridesmaids in the wedding. So it may be, you know, a family member's kids or a close friend's kids, um, and they get to, you know, dress up and kind of be with the bride on her big day. And I actually love this tradition. And I think it is something we should all adopt because we all know the stress that comes along with being in a wedding. So why not just let the kids do it? They're not going to stress about it, right? They're going to have so much fun. Just have like five flower girls and five ring bears, except they're your bridesmaids. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's I think it should be that way. Mm -hmm. So there's also a special floral stem royal brides include in their bouquets. Um, royal followers might know this. It's actually a sprig of myrtle, which signifies hope and love. Her Majesty the Queen has the ability to nix a wedding dress she doesn't approve of. So royal brides do show the queen their dresses prior to the wedding and she can look at them and she can give the okay or she can voice her dislike. And if she doesn't like it, um, they can make changes to it before the wedding. And I, I, I did not know that. I didn't know that. I mean, I guess the queen has final sign off on everything probably, but um, sure. yeah. Wow. I mean, I, that makes sense. 
All right. So we're going to wrap up with some interesting uh, facts and protocols on royal attire. So we'll start at the top um, and we'll talk about headgear. So anytime you see a royal woman um, at a formal daytime event, they will be wearing some type of hat or fascinator that, you know, it's expected of them for those type of events. But once you're past 6 p.m. and you're at a formal evening event, you will see them break out the sparkly tiaras. Um, and the, another fun rule about the tiara is only married royals can wear tiaras. So if you are in the royal family and you like tiaras, you better find a husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more reason to get married is I got it. I want my tiara. Dang it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good stuff. And look, here's the thing about Royal protocol is that there, it, first of all, there's so much of it, right? Like, I mean, like there could be volumes on, and also let me tell you something about else about Royal protocol. Some things that we think are Royal protocol aren't actually Royal protocol. And let me explain what I mean by that. So my whole life, I've been told it's royal protocol, royal protocol, royal protocol, that women of the royal family cannot wear dark nail polish. And while the queen prefers Essie ballet slippers, which is a light pink polish that you can buy at Walgreens for $9, that makes me love the queen even more. Um, while she prefers that shade, there is no, at least not that I even wrote an article on this for Harper's Bazaar, there's no actual rule anywhere that says that women of the family cannot wear dark polish. I remember a couple of years ago when Megan wore dark, I think it was black polish too, or a really deep, deep red um, to an event and everyone was up in arms on that. Kate has also worn red on her feet, I've seen, but there's, there's no royal protocol that says that women cannot wear colors other than pale pink on their nails. It's just the queen's preference. And so out of respect, women of the family follow her lead. So a lot of things, like that's what I was alluding to before. A lot of things that we think are steadfast royal rules are just the queen's preferences. And when her reign ends, everything could change. I, I mean, Charles isn't gonna have a preference as to his favorite nail polish color, you know, and so, or, or pantyhose or so, you know, some of these things are just because the queen prefers it that way. And out of respect, the women follow her lead, but there's no, I, I don't, for those kind of things anywhere, there's no rule book that I'm aware of that exists in Buckingham Palace. That's like section 18.99 one must never wear red nail polish. So I just want to clarify that it's a, it's an ever shifting line and um, we are learning every day and we admit we don't know everything, but we know a little bit about a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and, you know, like you said, royal protocol is only what the person who is reigning says it is, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So things could, and I'm telling you, they probably will change significantly when we have a new monarch. And may that be very, 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 a very long time from now. But, um, you know, there are some, some things the queen likes that maybe need a refresh. And um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, royal protocol really 
stems from the preferences of the monarch. So let's hit on a couple more um, attire little fun facts here. So we often see royal women carrying clutches to evening events. Okay, rumor has it, if you see, <laughs> if you see a royal carrying her clutch with both hands, that's her way of avoiding having to shake hands with the public. So I don't know, I read that, but I could also see this just being done because it kind of keeps you from doing that awkward arm swing when you walk or having like <laughs> one arm awkwardly dangling by your side that you don't know what to do with. Um, we've seen Kate carry her uh, clutch with one hand and with both hands. Uh, but it did make me think back to the recent James Bond premiere when everyone noticed that Kate wasn't carrying a clutch to that event. So I don't really think I ever heard if there was a reason why she didn't have one. Um, did, did you ever hear anything about that? No, I never thought about it. I was too dazzled by the Jenny Packham dress. Right. I think everyone was. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But um, if you are in a situation where you find yourself shaking hands with a royal, you should know that you'll only get two shakes. So this is a little <laughs> etiquette rule that we follow. Um, they do two shakes when shaking hands and it just helps keep things moving along when they go through crowds. And it also so ensures that they don't show preferential treatment um, by shaking hands with anyone for too long. So it also shows that you don't take Kate or William or whoever's arm off because you've pumped their arm like nine times out of nervous energy. That's what I would do. Um, if I ever got the chance to shake hands with the royal, I'd probably fall on, on the floor. Like in oh, yeah. I would probably, <laughs> I, I would, I've considered myself a relatively confident person. I would fall on the floor. So when royal women are out, you know, at engagements, a lot of times they'll wear dresses or skirts. Um, but if you are a girl listening and you have ever worn a dress on a windy day, you know how stressful it can be to like keep it down, you know, especially if, if there's big gusts of wind. So her majesty has decided she will not be outdone by the wind. Um, and she actually has weight sewn into the hem of her dresses. I think we've talked about this on here before a long time ago, um, but these little weights prevent her skirt from being blown up and causing some sort of embarrassing scene in public. It helps it hang straight, which I think is so smart. And I'm over here wondering why this is not more common for dresses to at least have the option to have weights put in them when, you know, we order them online. Um, I think you so, just invented a million dollar product right there. I, I know. Let's get started on that hadn't that okay so I we're gonna finish this one out with um just two little fun facts here these are not related to clothing these are just some things that I read and thought were fun so um the palace staff is not allowed to reprimand the queen's dogs even if they are doing something bad um, you know, we know that she is a dog lover as am I, I'm actually wearing a cute little doggy t-shirt right now. <laughs> um, but it, it's cute. It's not like a geeky Lisa Frank, whatever doggy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the queen lets her dogs roam freely around the palace, just like royalty. Um, and she actually has a chef on staff that prepares gourmet meals for her, for her pups. So um, that, that is, I thought, 
a really cool little fun fact. And then the last one before we wrap up is, and I'm mentioning this one because we actually got into a little chat about this. I think it was last week too, uh, or the week before, but the Royal children did not have last names until the 1900s. So they usually didn't go by a last name at all. And if they did, they would use like the house of their family. So think Windsor, uh, but they really didn't need a last name because they were all homeschooled. Um, and it just, you know, they didn't need to be called out separately from other kids. Um, but actually when princess Diana decided to send William and Harry to private school with other children, um, they decided that they needed a, um, a last name. And so they took Wales. And so that tradition has started. And now we have um, George Cambridge and Charlotte Cambridge and Louis Cambridge. And I guess the tradition will probably continue. I love it. I love it. So I will say um, I, I did find these fun facts in various places, but most of them either came from the Royal Family website or I think, well, I think maybe one or two came from there. Um, I also found a really good article on Harper's Bazaar about this. So love it. Love me some royal protocol. By the way, speaking of last names, um, that made me think of Spencer, which is, of course, Diana's maiden name. Spencer, the movie comes out on Friday with Kristen Stewart. I know, and I'm so bummed that I won't be able to join you on this one. Um, I'll be out of town. I know, but I'll probably want to see it a, a second time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see it on Friday night. And, uh, but if you want to see it, when you get back, call her me, cause I'll probably want to see it again. Definitely. So Spencer listeners comes out on Friday. So let us know what you think when you see it and, uh, anything else for the good of the order? Um, I don't think so. We'll see everybody next week or we'll chat next week. I guess I should right. say. It was really nice to have a lifestyle segment back because that is something that we really pride ourselves on is that we we offer these lifestyle segments. We've been having a lot of fun talking to guests, don't get me wrong, and we'll continue to do that. But sometimes it's just nice to just have the two of us. Well, it is. And I will say, though, you know, it does get hard to kind of find new lifestyle segments. Um, so, you know, listeners, if you have some creative ideas, send them our way. You can reach us on Instagram or, or through email. Um, Rachel will share those in just a second. Um, but I'd love any creative ideas. If you want to hear more about fashion or um, home decor or I don't know, favorite food um, or activities, just send them our way and we'll, we'll look it up and share it on the podcast. Yeah. And those that have, we love it when we get emails and DMs and those that have reached out to us know that we always respond. So come chat with us. Let me tell you how to do that. Just like I do at the end of every episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at podcast Royal. Email us at hello podcast Royal at gmail.com follow us, rate us, review us five stars, five stars, five stars. Um, thank you everyone for tuning into episode 44 of podcast Royal. We are quickly approaching. We were talking about this offline, our one year anniversary. Our very first recording session was November 14th, which of course is also Charles's birthday. So, um, that's, that's coming up really quickly. So we have appreciated all of you being on this journey with us and, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.